0: We have um, been looking at the series of a heart condition. And last week, we were looking at the effect of of pride on some areas in our life. We looked at the signs that are there that tell us that we are in pride. And I had some um, things to read for you that uh, kind of talk about some signs that we have. We've mentioned this before. But uh, one of those comedians, he's out there, and he, he likes to uh, talk about signs that we can give to people. And I couldn't find any other way to do this than to print it, and it's really small, so I have to get these magnified a little bit. But you might enjoy some of these things. I believe this is Bill Engel, Engel who uh, goes around saying these, has this uh, routine. But he said, stupid, stupid people should have to wear signs that just say, I'm stupid. That way, you won't rely on them, would you? You wouldn't ask anything of them. You wouldn't be like, excuse me, oops, oh, never mind, I didn't see your sign. So it's like when my, before my wife and I moved, our house was full of boxes and there was a U-Haul truck in our driveway. My neighbor comes over and says, hey, you moving? <laughs> nope, we just pack up our stuff once or twice a week to see how many boxes it takes. Here's your sign. A couple of months ago, I went fishing with a buddy of mine. We pulled his boat into the dock. I lifted up this big old string of bass, and this idiot on the dock goes, Hey, y'all catch all them fish? Nope. Talked him into giving up. Here's your sign. Last time I had a flat tire, I pulled my truck into one of those side-of-the-road gas stations. The attendant walks out, looks at my truck, and looks at me, and he says, Tire go flat? I couldn't resist. I said, nope, I was driving around, and those other three just swelled up right on me. <laughs> Here's your sign. We were trying to sell our car about a year ago. A guy came over to our house and drove the car around for about 45 minutes. We get back to the house. He gets out of the car, reaches down, and grabs the exhaust pipe and says, Ow! That's hot! See, if, I had been wearing his, if, he, had, if he had been wearing his sign, I could have stopped him. I learned to drive an 18-wheeler in my days of adventure. Wouldn't you know, I misjudged the height of a bridge. The truck got stuck, and I couldn't get it out, no matter how I tried. I rolled in for help, or I radioed in for help, and eventually a local cop showed up to take the report. He went through his basic questioning, okay, no problem. I thought for sure he was clear of needing to sign until he asked, so, is your truck stuck? I couldn't help myself. I looked at him, looked back at the rig, and then said to him, nope, I'm delivering a bridge. Here's your sign. (laughs) I stayed late at work one night and a coworker looked at me and said, "Are you still here?" I replied, "Nope, I left 10 minutes ago." <laughs> Here's your sign. <laughs> well, anybody know somebody who deserves a sign? It surely would be helpful for us if people just had signs that say, "I'm in pride, I'm humble." There are things along those nature, but they don't come with signs. But if you listen to them talk, if you listen to the things that they say, if you watch the things they do, it will tell you. But what's most important is we need to see these signs for ourselves. Because if I am in pride, I need to read the signs. If I am in pride, the word of God says that God will resist me. And that's more important than God resisting my neighbor. I can't change my neighbor. I can change me. That's right. I need to read the signs. Am I humble? Or am I in pride? And the Word of God gives us plenty of indications about it. We looked at some things last week to uh, help us out with that. That pride exalts my way over God's plan. And we looked at people who went that way. And Hophni and Phineas were those who they had a way. It was against God's way. It was against God's plan. But they didn't care. And they got harder and harder and harder to it. And eventually, they did things in the temple that just shouldn't have been done. And they lost their lives over it. We asked this question last week. We said, how can I avoid that? Pride being that. How can I avoid that? And we use that as an acronym. That first off, pride comes into your thoughts. It then proceeds into your heart. It then has an effect upon your actions. And influences your talk your thoughts, your heart, your actions, and your talk. It's basically affecting your mind, your emotions, your body, and your mouth. When we are overtaken by pride, I am focused on what others do to or for me, or I'm more focused on what others do to or for me than what I do to or for others. It's a real good sign. If you can pick up on that sign, if you are more concerned with what others do to or for you, than what you do to or for others. That's a sign. You ought to be able to read that. A person overtaken by pride is more likely to think of someone else who needs to hear this than apply it to themselves. That's generally a person who's caught up in pride. We saw that on the road, there's a ditch on one side, there's a ditch on the other. We're trying to go down the middle. Down the middle would be a person who is humble. The ditch on one side would be the prideful. The ditch on the other would be those who have a false humility. Humility. And our tendency is to get off on one side or the other. We have to keep ourselves into the middle. Pride always sees the corrections others need. That's a sign about pride. The humble are comfortable in knowing what needs correcting and what is good. A humble person can say, I'm all right with that. I'm in a good place with that. I'm strong there, but I need work over here. A humble person can do that. False, pers- or false, false humility will do this. It always is seeing themselves as deficient. If every time that you hear something from the Word of God, every time you hear something from the Spirit of God, every time that something comes to you, all that you see is deficiency. You are in, more than likely, you are in false humility. Because true humility recognizes your strengths as well as your weaknesses. The goal is to stay in the middle. There are some areas in the Word of God that you know a lot about. There are some areas that you know less about. There are some areas that you're hurting on. You need to know what those areas are. You know what? I'm pretty strong in that. I may not know everything in that, but I'm pretty strong in in that area. Uh, I need to be working on these things over here. That's a humble person. A humble person can admit where they are strong and where they are weak. and They're okay with that. They're growing. But today we're going to take a look at someone that we're all familiar with this is over in 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. This is what happens when we get more focused on our needs. Not just our way, but our needs. And I look at my needs over God's Word. And a prideful person will do this. We get so caught up with what we need that we forsake the teaching of the Word of God to pursue what is our need. And to go after these things. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near next to my house. And for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So here's the king. we've talked about him before. He is the king over all the land. He's got all kinds of money. He's got a huge palace. He's got all kinds he's got servants. He's got chariots. He's got all kinds of things, but he doesn't have Naboth's vineyard. When you get into pride, it is very hard to enjoy the things that you have because you're always not enjoying the things that you don't. That's a sign of pride. A humble person enjoys what they have. They enjoy that other people have stuff that's different from them. That's okay. They don't get upset. They don't get into a place of envy. They don't get into a place of coveting. Doesn't the word of God talk about those things? Don't envy. Don't covet. Don't be doing these things. We live in a society right now where they always want you to be focused on what someone else has. The rich have this. This group of people have that. These folks over here have these things. You should have that. You should be able to to get one of those things. No. They're moving you out of being humble into the area of being prideful. And you need to resist it. Because if you don't, God will resist you. Don't be sitting over there saying, "Well, those rich folks—they got all this stuff, and I should have." No, don't do that. That's the wrong thing. Enjoy what you have. I heard—I uh, believe his brother Keith Moore—he was talking about a, a story, and some guy that he knew got this really fancy car, just a sports car, just you know, one of those ones he'd wanted for a long time. He says, "What's the best thing about that sports car?" He says, "The week before I got it." Yeah. <laughs> The week before I got it, because the week before you got it, you're always anticipating how good it's going to be now that you have it. It's not quite as, you know, it's still a car. It's still, you know, it's a it's it's mortal. (laughs) It has failings. The week before I got it, it's so easy for us to be envious of things that we don't have because we envision such great things coming about when we are there enjoying those things and when we have those things. Ahab is seeing a vegetable garden in place of a vineyard. What a waste! Can you? How long does it take to grow a vineyard? Years, right? You got to plant those things in. You got years to develop those those vines to get them to be the place where they're producing. It takes a long time. How long does it take to to uh, get a vegetable garden going? Yeah, go out and plant the seeds. Whatever you're growing is probably not going to come back next year. You got to replant it again. He wants to take out what people had labored for years and years to put in what was temporary and which could go anywhere. But he wanted it next to the house, you know, so his wife's in there making some dinner or the servants are in there making some dinner. They can come on out and get some fresh vegetables right where they are are out there. So he's in there sulking on his bed. All these other things he has and he cannot enjoy them because he does not have this vineyard. He's not enjoying his palace. He's not enjoying the fine food that they have in there. He's not going out for a horse ride, a chariot ride. He's he's not enjoying the clothes that he has in the closet. He's not enjoying the bowling alley he's got down the basement. The pool table. The cement pond out back. He's not enjoying any of those things because he's focused on what he doesn't have. That is a prideful person when you focus on what you don't have and lose sight of what you do. God wants us to count our blessings for the things that we have. When you get into that place of being prideful, you have forgotten to count your blessings and you're looking at what you lack. That's not an attitude that God wants. It's a sign that you're in pride. Read it, understand it, and get rid of it. But Jezebel, his wife came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters to Ahab in Haab's name, sealed them with his seal and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote the letter saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people and seat two men scoundrels before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of the city, the elders and the nobles, who were inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel had sent to them. And as it was written in the letters which he had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. So Ahab goes over the event with Jezebel and he leaves out why Naboth doesn't want to give it up. He leaves out Naboth's reasons. Naboth's reasons were, I don't want to sell it to you. His reasons were, this has been in my family. God forbids me that I should give this to you. It's been in our family. It needs to stay in our family. Well, he wasn't happy with that, but he doesn't pass that reason on. I don't know that it would have made any difference at all to Jezebel, but you will notice that most people who are in pride know what parts of their life are in pride, what parts of the story are ladled with pride, and avoid telling those aspects. Have you ever heard that? People leave out certain details. Why would you leave that out? Why? I didn't think it was important. Yes, you did. But you knew it would locate you. We could locate where you are. So you left that part of it out. So they have this fast. These fasts are often proclaimed the land was under a, was under or threatened by a curse for some undiscovered sin. That's what a lot of times these fasts were called for. But they just decided to call for a fast. And maybe they put out there that there was a sin. There was some kind of a thing going on. whatever it might be, but they have this this fast. And at the table, obviously it's not a food table, but at the table they seated Naboth in a place and he was getting higher honor than he should have. He also should have recognized that two people next to him also didn't deserve the high honor and been suspicious, but he didn't do it. Now the scriptures I put there for you for Joel, 1 Samuel, and 2 Chronicles, if you want to look them up later on, they're there for you. And they'll go over some things about the fast and about some things that were done in these areas. In 1 Kings, chapter 21, verse 13, though, And two men, scoundrels came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones, so he, he died. Now, it's not Naboth's fault. Naboth it, was invited to a fast. He went to the fast. It's not, not, not having a party for him. It's a fast, probably they use as an excuse, we're seeing some kind of a curse in the land, we're seeing some kind of unforgiven sin, Uh, we need to have a fast and seek after God on this thing. And so he came out to it, and they, they sat him in a particular place. He didn't do any of these things, he didn't take the place of honor, other people did it. But just understand this, if you have some people in your life that you don't know, don't know very well, or have never been very friendly to you, and they suddenly shower you with honor, run. There is some reason that they are showering you with honor, and you probably don't want to stick around and find out what it is. So don't, uh, don't, don't be uh, snowed by all that sort of stuff. Verse 14. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Well, we see the deception that his wife was capable of and that she did. So we already told you, beware of the honor greater than you deserve. And uh, what is flattery? Flattery is undeserved praise. Flattery doesn't always have to be wrong, but it's not something that you deserve to get from the people that are giving it to you. It's undeserved praise. And you, you don't want to be a part of that. There's a reason that people are flattering you. There's a reason that people are giving you honor that you are, uh, have not earned. It doesn't come out without a, without a price. So they bring an accusation against him in Deuteronomy 17 and verse 6. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one. That's why they brought in two. In Deuteronomy 19 and verse 15. One witness shall not rise against the man concerning any iniquity of or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. Not just on the establishment of one person, but they had two people come in. They both had the same story. So even though the Word of God puts that in there, two or three doesn't mean that people can gang up on you and and get two or three witnesses. People saying some things about you. In Exodus chapter twenty and verse sixteen, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's one of the reasons why God says that, because if you bear a false witness, there has to be another person who bears false witness in order to get two or three. You can't just do it on your own. But the Word of God warns us about that. So Naboth and his sons were stoned. Now, there's a reason why Naboth and his sons are stoned. Because if he just killed Naboth, the vineyard then goes to who? His sons. So we've got to take care of the heirs. Now, the Word of God doesn't say that the sons should have been stoned. If Naboth blasphemed God, then he should be stoned. But that's it. But they decided. This is they've done their own thing. They they're attesting to going to doing something for God, but it's not. This is not God's way at all. So Naboth and his sons were stoned in Second Kings chapter nine, verse twenty one. Uh, twenty one through twenty six. You don't have to turn. We're just going to read one verse of Scripture here. This is where Jehu comes and he begins to execute the inhabitants or the descendants of Ahab. Here's one of them. In. Uh, Uh, Verse 21, So Jehu... uh, uh, Then Jehoram said, Make ready. And his chariot was made ready. And Jehoram the king of Israel and Azariah king of Judah went out, each in his chariot. And they went out to meet Jehu and met him on the property of Naboth the Jezreelite. When Jehu is designed to execute the judgment of God on the house of Ahab, he meets his descendants... On the, the vineyard. Now look how God calls this property. It had, he had taken. The king had taken ownership of it. But look what God calls it. This is in 2 Kings chapter 9. This is a, a good time away from. Where we're at right now. Then the ki- then Jehoram king of Israel. And Ahaziah went, of Judah. Went out. Each in his chariot. And they went out to meet Jehu. And met him. What? On the property of Naboth the Jezreelite. God still saw it as his property. Even though Naboth was not there, nor were his sons. He still saw it because it was taken wrongly. In 2 uh, 2 Kings 14 and verse 6, But the children of murderers he did not execute according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own sin. So even though they're using some scripture, they're, of course, leaving out parts that are important. So this eliminated the errors. Now, if you're wondering why would the king go down and take the land? There's uh, the best I found on this was there was no law directing this, but it followed a pattern in the Mosaic law. Here's the pattern: as as the goods of an idolater were devoted or kerem to God, that was the Hebrew for it. As the goods of an idolater were devoted or kerem to God, so the goods of a traitor were devoted to the king. If you were uh, in place of being a traitor, your, all your stuff was given to the king. Now Naboth was not a traitor. He was accused of blaspheming God. His stuff should have been kerem and dedicated to God. But they decided to go after this pattern. Can you see how things got messed up in this? But it looks like it follows a close pattern. Keep an eye on that here this, in, in our country. We have a pattern that we follow. It's the Constitution. It was based on teachings in the Word of God. And many in our government are veering off from it. I like some of the things Corey was doing up on Facebook. He's been posting some of the things on the Constitution. It's amazing how many people in this country have never read the Constitution. I heard about one one episode in a law school where someone quoted from something different from the constitution called it the constitution and everyone in the law school cheered it in a law school. They did not realize that what was being read was not part of the constitution, but they, they, they how, how ridiculous is that? If you go in through law school and you don't know what the constitution is, it's not like it's a long document. It's a page. It's a long page, <laughs> but it's, it's a page. Come on. We can learn those kind of things. Our Bible is longer than that, and we can learn it. Hmm. well if you, that's why the the king would get the land on those particular things I don't know that he sh- he should be getting the land, but that's how it uh it would turn out that that he would get the get the things that was going on and it came to pass when Jezebel heard that i'm sorry I'm going on down here um let's take a look at the message that the Lord sent to Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord. Have you murdered and also taken possession? You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord. In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your prosperity and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, and like the house of Bar- Barasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin." And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel, and the dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up, and he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. Well, he humbled himself in that and he took instruction. Prideful people don't take instruction. If you correct a prideful person, they may outwardly say one thing or another, but inwardly they are resistant to it. And then even though they'll go from there and they'll say some things to other people about how you were wrong and how that was no good and how that wasn't helpful. This is a prideful person. But he humbled himself when God spoke to him through the prophet. He immediately he didn't try and defend himself. He didn't say it wasn't me. It was my wife. He didn't try and do any of that sort of thing. He just put on sackcloth and ashes and humbled himself before the Lord. And God said, all right, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do it in your day. It's going to happen on, the, on the, your kids' days. And so that, uh, that went on from there. Well, we're going to see this pattern following another person, too. If you remember Judas. Jesus picked Judas. And when Judas first came along with the Lord, he believed in the Lord. Jesus wouldn't have picked him. If he didn't believe in the Lord, when he sat in the meetings, he absorbed the word that Jesus was teaching. He enjoyed Jesus. He enjoyed going out and ministering when he was commissioned with the twelve. He went out and he laid hands on people and ears were open. Blind eyes saw. Possessed people lost demons. It was a good it was a good day. It was a good time for him. But somewhere along the, the, the path that he followed he began to get into a place where pride began to come in. He went from a place of being humble and receiving from Jesus to a place of being over Jesus. And he began to judge the words that Jesus would use. He began to judge the actions that Jesus did. And we saw the story, and I believe I put it in your outline for you. I was going to um, read it for you, but for some reason, my notes cut off here. and So we're just having to, to do that without them. But you'll see that that uh, there was a a woman and she had this costly box of ointment and she came in and she brought it and she began to anoint the feet of Jesus to get him ready for burial. And Jesus just let her go ahead and do it. And as it was going on and this particular ointment, it cost a lot of money. If you break it down, it cost about a year's wage. You would have to work an entire year to get this to buy this stuff. And so Judas began to say, in one place it just says that some people said, but another place it tells us that Judas was the guy who said it. And Judas says, why was this not sold and the money given to the poor? Because he had control of the treasury. And it says that he was dipping his hand into the treasury and taking money. Well, that's kind of like what Hophni and Phineas were doing. They were going into the house of God and doing things they shouldn't have done. And now Judas is going into the very treasury of the money that is given for the work of Jesus, for the ministry of Jesus and taking out of it, which tells you how much money Jesus had coming in. Either coming in the meetings or it was just money that uh, was was uh, still there from the gifts that were given in his birth from the wise men, because they gave quite a bit of gifts. And that uh, financed his ministry for a number of years. Well, he. uh he was doing this thing. He had this idea. You know, I can, I can do that. How can you get to a place where you begin to look at your needs as greater than the word of God? The word of God says, don't be a thief. Don't steal. Don't take. But he was going and taking the money. Jesus trusted. Of all the 12, Jesus trusted this man with the money. I don't know why. I don't know what it was about Judas that caused Jesus to say, I'm going to trust you with the money. Matthew was a tax collector. He handled money, had to have some kind of an accountant background or some kind of an ability there to to do those things. He wasn't picked. Judas was picked. And Judas didn't start off stealing money out of there. But eventually, the thought comes in, Jesus is not doing the things that he ought to be doing. And he began to be upset to the point, when he got to that point with that meeting, and he saw that woman come in, and he said this, a lot more had to be going on before this. That's not your first case. That's not your first episode with pride and dealing with Jesus. That happened before. And it says that the Satan was able to come along and put this thought into Judas's mind. This is what you can do. This is where you can go. And he began to judge the things that Jesus did. That's not good. This is not good for Messiah. This is not good for taking us to the place that we need to be. And he judged the things that Messiah did. Can you imagine being so full of pride that the man that you believe to be the son of God, the Messiah, you are judging what he does as being right or wrong and primarily wrong. Can you imagine getting to that place? You don't get there all at once. It's a little bit by little bit. You begin to judge this one and then this one. Probably Judas began to judge Peter And John and James. And then saw Jesus not dealing with James and Peter and John the way that he felt like they should have been dealt with. And so then they begin to judge Jesus on not judging them, just like we saw Absalom did with David and not judging his son in the incident with Tamar. And eventually he got to the point where he saw what Jesus did. This isn't good. This isn't right. And Jesus at the Last Supper leans to him and says, go do what is in your heart? The devil had put something in his heart and he went out and did it and he betrayed the son of God into the hands of the Pharisees. knowing one what they would do. Can you imagine getting to that place? Because he got so focused on his needs. Above the word of God, Ahab got so focused on his needs above the word of God. The man Naboth quoted to him, God will not let me do this. And he didn't care. Even though there's word in the the scriptures to support what Naboth was going to do. He didn't care. We can get into a place of, of pride. It first off comes down into our thoughts. And we begin to think, I have need of this. God's not supplying it. God's not doing it this way. God's not doing it right here. Therefore, since I have this need, I will go after it this way. Even though the Word of God says don't do it that way, we're going to go ahead and do it because I am mindful of my need more than the Word of God. Scripture also gives us some examples of people who are more mindful of what the Word of God said than their need. When we are become more mindful of what the Word of God says and we hang on to that, things will change. I'll give you a story. David was found in the cave with Saul, the man who was chasing him. He was not chasing him for a good reason. He was not right in chasing him. But Saul was chasing after David to kill him. David knows he has the call of God to be king. And he's put into a place. And here is the king. And the people around him say, rise up, kill him. God has delivered your enemy into your hand. And what's he say? Uh-uh, I won't do it. It goes against the word of God. The word of God says God will take care of his anointed. I can't do it. I can't raise my hand against the king's anointed or the, against the Lord's anointed. I can't do it. I can't do it. Does he have a need? Yeah, he won't be running all over the countryside running from this guy if he was acting right. But he didn't do it. He was more mindful of the word of God than he was his need. That's where we need to be. Humble people are more mindful of what the word says than what their needs dictate. Stay with the word of God. Yeah, but I need this. Stay with the word of God. What does the word of God say to do? How does the word of God say to do it? Well, it says to do it this way. Then stay with the way the word of God says to do it. But other people, they're, they're lying. They're stealing. Other people are mis- misrepresenting their product. Other people are lying about their hours. Other people are doing it this way. Stay with the word of God. Yeah, but other people are, and they're getting to stay with the word of God. Don't allow your needs to move you over. If you do, you're going to be pulled over to the side of the ditch. It's a ditch of pride. And if you get into the ditch of pride, what's the word of God say again? God resists the yeah. proud, but gives grace to the humble. humble. I'd rather be in a place of God's grace than a place of pride be in a place of, of where God is resisting me. But your needs can become so overwhelming that we can forsake the Word of God. Don't ever forsake the Word of God. The Word of God is the most important thing in your life. You need to learn about it. You need to feed off of it. It needs to be light for you. Don't ever forsake it. Don't ever let it go. To do so, you're moving over into the area of pride. We see the signs of a person in pride here where they have. I'm more concerned about what I need. I'm not focused on what I have been blessed with. I'm focused on what I lack. I'm focused on what I don't have. And I need to get that thing. That's an area of pride. Don't get into that. Don't fall into it. Be in a place to be glad for what you have. Be happy with what God has blessed you with. God has given you some good things. Give testimonies each week of the things that God has blessed us with. God is continually blessing us. Keep focusing on what God is doing. You want to stay humble? Stay focused on what God has done. Not what God hasn't done. Not, don't go, go off on the thing, well, God hasn't done this for me yet. Well, I, God hasn't done this. And so and so and this and that. These things keep up. no. Focus on what God has blessed you with and maintain that attitude of joy, happiness, gladness. Maintain it. Don't get envious, covetousness. Those things will pull you into pride. They are signs that say, I am on my way into the ditch of pride. Don't do it. Stay resistant. God resists the proud. If you resist pride, he will give grace because you'll stay in the area of being humble. It's, it's so much better. Now, again, we start looking at all this because we want to take a look at the, uh, the king, Asa. Why is it that God saw him in a particular way when we, in the Word of God, see him differently? We want to find that out. We want to find out how is it that Asa had a loyal heart. How is it that he came to that spot? So we've hit the second area of your life that will be affected by pride. The first area is your way. The way in which you go, the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you go about things, that becomes affected. And you go in your way instead of the plan of God. The second one is needs. You focus on your needs and not the Word of God. and Not the Word. Don't ever leave the Word for your needs. Don't ever leave the plan of God for your way. Those will take you directly into the place of pride. Stay with the plan of God. Stay with the word of God. You stay with those things. Life is better. Life is better. Don't compare yourself to other non-Christians. They are not children of God. They are not disciplined by God. Who does God chastise? The ones that he loves. The ones that are in his family. He chastises them so that they don't go in the way, a wrong way, and they don't go away and fall in a ditch. He chastises them to bring them around. Don't compare yourselves to the people of the world. God can't deal with them because they won't put themselves in a position to be dealt with. But you are in a place where God can deal with you. God can love on you. God can care about you. God can direct you. Listen to him. Don't let your way overtake his plan. Don't let your needs overtake his word. Guard the word that you know. And guard the plan that you've been given. Next week, we'll get into the third area. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You love us so much. You are so concerned for the things that we do. You are concerned that we don't fall into areas of pride, that we don't fall into areas that steer us off. But Father, we stay in the direction that you would have us go. There is a way of pride. There is a way of being humble. There is a way of false humility. And Father, we want to follow the way of being humble. Help us to recognize the signs that we are falling into pride. Help us to see. Not just in other people, but in ourselves. Because we are the ones that we can change. We are the most important ones. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory for it. You're going to help us, Father, to get our life right, to be an example to other people. Not go around pointing our fingers at other people and what they should be doing. But when they come to us and they say, how is it that your life is this way? We can point to your word. We can point to your direction. We can point to the things that you're doing. And say, it's because of my God. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have some praise reports that were brought in. If you didn't turn in a praise report and have one to uh, to give, you have a few moments here that you can read that up, write that up, and we will read that for for everyone.
1: This one obviously comes from Miss Anna. She says, "Thank God for a quick recovery." And I still have my own hip. She did not need a hip replacement. Praise God for that. And thank you all for your prayers. And, you know, I want to praise God for um, when we went to visit Miss Anne in the hospital, a doctor had come in, and, you know, she was right right ready to tell him, God healed me. God healed my heart of this, and God healed my She just gave everything over to God, and what a testimony. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, and Susan says, praise the Lord. Mom is home and doing well. He's, uh, he's giving me strength and giving me new creative ideas on managing my time. Praise God. God, <laughs> we all need that. Daryl says, I was able to share what Pastor's been teaching on pride with a friend this week. Uh, he said it ministered to him something he had been dealing with and was struggling to get over. Well, praise God. See, these are timely messages here. Um, Ray says, uh, oh, wait a minute, let me read this bite. He says, though my nephew was buried this week, the whole family was able to attend, and there were seeds of reconciliation with my estranged older sister. All my praise to the Lord for that. Amen. God is in the reconciliation business. Any, any others?